0: Thanks for having us, Kevin. Yeah, thanks right, really, And so I hate much
1: I hate that. having to run too because I like just staying on and yakking a little bit after the thing's yeah. done. But it's one of those things where no. my today is just it's been. I also like I'm busier than a dog with three dicks. That's that's how bad it's going right <laughs> now.
2: <laughs> well, let me give you. Let me leave you with the southernism. You ready? Go ahead. All right, I'm busier than one one-legged man in a butt-kicking
0: contest. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: What's your background with music? Like, what was music like um in the Wiley and the Gillette households growing up? And what kind of stuff were you listening to when you were kids?
0: I'll let Doc start.
2: Well, he's, he's got uh, a longer
0: I'm, history than I do.
2: I'm a third generation <laughs> musician. Uh my dad was a jazz professor. He used to uh, was also signed to uh chess records from forty-eight to fifty-five. Oh wow. Um <clears throat> so I was a road kid. Uh, so, you know, we would do what they called the golden triangle, which was a uh, Vegas, Lake Tahoe, Reno. Okay. And, uh, so, you know, uh, I was lucky enough as a two and three year old to have, uh, show take care of me in the dressing room, <laughs> um, probably scarred me for life, <laughs> but it's really funny how these really hard broads would become really nurturing, uh, when they saw a little kid in a giant base case. Uh, with his comic (laughs) books and toys um so yeah that's uh so later uh, on um uh i uh had a relative uh turn me on to of all things uh zz top okay yeah and uh i thought that billy gibbons was such an amazing guitar player that i could never figure out how to play like that but i think i could pretty much play the bass along with that you know I could do those eighth notes you know like and then I'd get to be on stage with a Billy Gibbons um that was that was the thinking in my tween head yeah uh back then and so I called my dad and uh because my parents had split up at that point said I want a bass and uh he said I'll think about it and then the next switch for me was I was at a high school party being a junior higher And this guy was in the corner, kind of a nebbish kind of guy, just hanging out. No one was talking to him. And he went out and got his ovation guitar and came and played some Peter Frampton. And all the girls surrounded him. (laughs) I was like, "Uh (laughs) (laughs) "Aha!" And so then I just kept blowing my dad's phone up until he got me a bass. And so I've been playing bass since I was a kid. and, but i also was always interested in production yeah. you know uh, always a big fan of roy thomas baker um you know doing the queen records and yeah. also m- one of my favorite records of all time i'm an exer uh, uh is the cars first record and oh, like, man. you know such great uh writing and stuff like that and that's a kind of the same time that i came up uh, across petty you know uh okay. And, uh, you know, and just loving songs and production and stuff like that. So, you know, that's kind of how I did. And then later, uh, um, you know, I became a top 40 musician for years uh, yep. playing the South where you play someplace for a week or, you know, you play four days and you stay in a band house and then you go, you learn 80 songs and go to another place and just, <laughs> Um, so I did that for a while. That to, to me that was rock and roll school. And then uh, I had, um, um I had um uh, um I had uh gone to recording school, um the recording workshop, um, which is in Chillicothe, Ohio. And um this is before I became a top 40 player. I went to the recording workshop and then I got a job while i was going to a house state at okay. a studio and then one day before this this is what got me into production full-time and being a musician uh one day i they paged you because this is before cell phones and pagers and such <laughs> and they hey, uh doc wiley there's a courtesy call on the blue line and it was my dad and he he, I, he went hey i sent you to recording school come down here to the studio because this guy's an idiot. So I went there and I um and he was my dad was playing with a famous drummer named Cozy Cole, yeah, and uh he played with Duke Ellington and stuff like that. and um you know, being you know, being around musicians my whole life, I always just kind of went, you know, I they they've been doing this his whole life. So I went up to Mr. Cole and I said, how you doing, Mr. Cole? He says, Fine, Junior. I go, how would you like me to mic my mic, mic your drums? And he goes, Well no, Junior. Why don't you put your ear there? And if it sounds good, put a microphone there. <laughs> and then I got a Grammy.
1: <laughs> like yeah, that's,
2: that's kind of so, but I got kind of tainted by doing studio work and I worked my way up. That's why I love Sound City, where the guy talked about being making guacamole. Okay. I have Italian cousins and they taught me how to make espresso. So, uh, I was the crack cocaine coffee guy. Like if you <laughs> wanted the, 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 co- the coffee, you know, they like, you know, I was, I was in the back making, uh, espresso for everybody. Uh, and so that how, that's how I became an assistant, and then an engin- uh, an assistant, uh, a tape operator, assistant engineer, engineer. And producer, that's how right. I did it was coffee, uh, coffee, hmm. uh, and always showing up. And then somebody would party too hard and to not show up, and they were all like, Doc's been here the whole time, and he makes coffee. So,
0: anyway, Doc I got to showing
2: clothes. up. Who knew that was the secret to success? It's
1: almost like hard work is as important as talent, isn't it? In, in a way, you know, <laughs> oh, almost- it's
2: a hundred no percent, like a hundred percent. And particularly, it's always sketchy in the music business. And then uh, I did the Hop 40 thing. Then I got to see Petty. Uh, uh, the first time I saw Petty was in 87 or 88. Okay. And it was with Bob Dylan in Chicago. Okay, yeah. And it was 90 minutes of Heartbreakers. And then Bob just came out. <laughs> and it was mind blowing even though there were moments that bob was horrible
1: right it's bob i mean <laughs>
2: right. you, know, you know i
1: you get what you get with him right i mean horrible that's, that's is always his been the thing yeah
2: right. but, but i mean said moments though but there was yeah. moments we used to do you know we do petty adjacent stuff so we used to do like a rolling stone and stuff like that yeah uh, based off of me seeing that And seeing that version the heartbreakers playing that with bob and that's also where i got the idea of having three guitar players right um as a consistent thing not um you know unlike the later versions of the heartbreakers where the uh, the one gentleman is like a Swiss armor knife, you know. He, yeah,
1: Scott Thurston. Yeah, he's a yeah. Player, right? Scott yeah. is just
2: doing, you know. And now yeah. I'm playing the harmonium, like, like yeah, and sings. And they needed uh, a high harmony, so um, yeah. So I think that uh, cool. so that's how I got into Petty. And for me, I'm always been a song guy. Songs mean more to me than if you're an amazing player, right? And then I'll I'll leave it there. But I'd say, Chris and the rest of my bandmates are um, stand-up comedians, and I'm a Sipcon star, right? Because <laughs> if I have a script, I'm gonna nail it. If all of a sudden they go Doc Solo, you're right, gonna go really poorly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which sometimes we do just for fun right yeah, bass solo now <laughs> I mean, on, on top of that ain't nobody even the bass player doesn't want to hear a bass solo right <laughs> no <laughs> i want to make your no.
2: girlfriend dance that's what i, what I
1: do <laughs> right Well, that's always interesting though because i think and correct me if you can correct me if i'm wrong on this but mo- most bass players that i know and i know quite a few they're guitarists first and they drift into bass ordinarily because no one else in the band plays bass so it's like well okay i'll pick up the bass and i'll go do that but chris you obviously playing guitar you come from a a sort of an entertainment background with your family I was looking through your mom's was quite a big deal in the 70s and 80s right
0: yeah my my mom you know she's she's still a a big deal in New York in the sense that every gay man in the entire city of New York loves her and just (laughs) absolutely adores her and wants to surround her and be her friend so Mm -hmm. um uh, but yeah, I, I grew up in the, in the theater. So in New York city is where I was born and raised. And my mom uh, was a Broadway star. She's still kicking. She's still doing, right. she's still doing shows. She does a lot of singing. She does a an Irving Berlin cause uh, a, an Irving Berlin show that she does sometimes at Birdland uh, because she, uh, she and Irving Berlin were good friends and, right. um, and so as a celebration, she still does a show uh dedicated to him. And she still has uh, an absolutely incredible voice. Just beautiful. Um, but uh yeah, I I have the I share with Doc the same uh showgirl uh, experience of being cared for <laughs> backstage and sometimes at home by these showgirls, you know, uh, which was uh which was daunting as a young man to say the least. Uh but I think uh, that was my first experience with music. I picked up a guitar when I was, I think, nine is when I first started playing. Um, I'm not nearly as good a guitar player as I should be for considering how long I've been playing, but that's because my focus through the years has been more on the music and the song, songwriting, yeah. not really the technical mastery. Like Rick, our lead guitar player, is he's a monster. He's yeah. absolutely incredible. Um, that is a a skill that I just don't have and, and just have never developed. Um, I am strictly rhythm. I don't want to make it sing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um,
0: So, but, but for me, and one of the things that I love about Tom Petty and I've always loved about Tom Petty's music is just sort of the musicality of it, the relatability of the, of the music uh, to a wide variety of people and to life experiences, and I think that's what makes his music so amazing. Is that he writes songs that are, they're, I mean, obviously they're personal to him, but clearly they they the lyrics cover such generic, general, um, m- more emotional uh, uh, senses yeah. that anyone can take some piece of their life. And relate it to those lyrics, right? And that's what makes it so widely uh, uh, appealable. Um, But yeah, so I I grew up uh, in New York with, with that uh, side of things very different from rock and roll, that's for sure. And I've, (laughs) I've actually, my mom has uh, you know, I, I've, I've written songs and recorded songs and and she'll, of course, dote on them and love them. And, and so she wants to sing them. And I'm like, that is not how that song is sung. Bob. It's just not like, that is not right. <laughs> you know, it's this very yeah. high theatric, you know, soprano uh, voice that she, that she brings to the music. But um, so, yeah, I, I played in bands from the time that I was in high school um through college um, I went to the University of Virginia so played a lot in the south uh played in a band called the plaid rabbits terrible oh, no. it was it' a, absolutely... a great name it was a, it was a good name <laughs> bad band uh, and then uh started a band with a, a a couple of really great guys um called 98 colors we got the name from a Uh, an advertisement for blinds that apparently came in 98 (laughs) colors and we're like that that's the name so uh played with them for a few years uh across the south uh open for the replacements uh Jason the Scorchers uh you know some of those southern bands going on at the time uh and uh then when I graduated from the University of Virginia moved to New York and started doing uh some writing there uh got a Scholarship from ASCAP, um, and worked with some folks there, um, and then uh, then I got married, and yeah. <laughs> and that was kind of the the end for a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, we moved to Seattle at a time when grunge was the thing, and uh, you know it was it was a it was a very different kind of uh, musical community uh, from New York. And uh, my wife at the time was not, not really into it. And then I got divorced and then I picked up my guitar again. And that was after about 12 years, uh, started playing music again. And then, uh, and then I got married. <laughs> <Okay>. Never learned. <laughs> and, and, and I tried to continue to play music for a while, but then uh, my wife, uh, my, I, I hate to say my current wife, because it sounds like, you know, she's the, just next in line, but my second wife, my my wife. Um she uh is uh she had an air force scholarship when she was in dental school and okay. uh she yeah I know <laughs> and so she got stationed at Malmstrom Air Force Base in Great Falls Montana which, you know, at the time I was like, well, oh, that might be kind of cool. You know, go to Montana. It's great falls. There must be falls. It must be like a river runs through it. It must be great. It's <laughs> nothing like that. There's nothing wrong with great falls, but you know, it's, it's flat. Let's just put it that way. And There's not a lot going on there. You can see a dog
2: run for three days.
0: You see a dog run for three days. And uh, you know, at, and I, at that, I was I was doing a lot of songwriting but not uh, a lot of playing um, because it was something that I could do you know on my own without having to gather the troops if you will Um, and uh, you know one of the things that attracted me about the idea of being you know on an Air Force base was that we could catch a flight and go to you know different countries and that kind of thing turns out Malmstrom Air Force Base is a uh, is a missile base Oh, so yeah, don't get so away. There else. are no planes going in and out of, of Malmstrom Air Force Base. If you want to get to another country, you have to hop an ICBM. And that, <laughs> which is not a great, not a great thing. Um, and then uh we loved Mont fell in love with Montana, so moved to Bozeman, uh, which is definitely a happening place and growing really quickly. Um, we have a surprisingly strong. Uh, talent pool, although it's small, it is yeah. uh, it is it is quite uh, accomplished. Um, played music in a in a top forty covers band for about ten years. Uh, enjoyed that, and then stopped again for a while, um, mostly because life just got too busy. Yeah, and then uh, I Rick, our guitar player, is a friend of mine. I met him professionally and um, have sort of followed his his musical endeavors throughout bozeman and then uh ultimately he uh he brought me into the waiting uh, about a year and a half ago something like that almost,
2: almost two years
0: almost two years now that's awesome and uh you know i've i've loved it ever since i mean the music of tom petty has always been a huge part of my life there's no doubt about it my my daughter i almost to this day believes that i wrote free fallin i used to sing it in the car and and you know she she uh she loves that song and so she actually we just did a show um and she and my now granddaughter uh came to the show in yakima washington and it was it was a really special moment so that was very cool
1: no kidding it's funny that you, you both sort of touched on something there that i always think about if you're a musician music's just in you and it's going to come out somehow some way sometime right and even if you walk away from it you're always going to come back to it and and doc you even said you know drifting into production that's just that thing that's at the heart of it and i think with rock and roll and the thing that i find with petty and the heartbreakers you'd said you know even if you're not you know you're not the best musician in the world you can kind of get around those songs because they sound simple enough that you can play it's you know four chords and the truth but then as a band, when you're having to sort of interpret those songs and you dig a bit deeper, then you learn, oh, actually, there's a lot more going on here than I thought yeah. at first, at first look, right? Especially because I've just done Full Moon Fever and now I'm doing Into the Great Wide Open. Of course, Jeff Lynn layered guitars all over those damn records. It's incredible how much guitar there is in those records. So that was that thing, that connection with T Path and the Beatles. So I wanted to ask you about, like, when you get inside these songs, how do you choose what songs you're going to do? um how do you decide what arrangements you're going to do like what's the process for building out a set list for the waiting
2: well let me chime in here uh so you know the band's been around now for 10 years so petty was alive when we started the band when i started the band actually so the so i used to work for island records as an engineer and my boss is this really amazing guy named Joe Galdo, who's one of the four jerks, that's what they're called, that wrote all the songs for Miami Sound Machine. Okay. And, and so, but he went to school with Will Lee uh, from David Letterman, played bass for David Letterman. So uh we would go to the AES convention um when I was I'm I'm one of the people that helped start. Pro Tools as a professional platform, right? So he would send me to these conventions to learn before we built a digital studio inside of of, uh, Island Records. So then when we would all go up there and we would stay at the Gramercy Park Hotel, which is kind of at the time a rock and roll hotel. It's like a step up from the Chelsea. (laughs) 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 And um, so we uh we met willie uh in the bowery uh for the thai food right and okay. and so we had thai food and then we stopped by cbgb's at the time and then we went across the street to a brand new high rise condo that he got uh but it's still in the bowery at the time so we had to step over the wino and <laughs> <laughs> but you know uh so then um but it wasn't a dormant uh uh space but it was definitely high you know a a nice place so we went up to his two-bedroom uh condo which was really nice nice view the city and the whole thing but he had these giant dogs and we just kind of hang out you know like a bunch of music geeks hanging out and will lee says you know i'm putting together a beatles band," and he goes but the difference is um it's going to be the best players, session players in New York, interpreting the Beatles music. And I was like, ding, 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 ding. Right. And I was like, wow, I love that idea, but I would, and I remember sitting in his living room going, but I would do it with Petty right
0: yeah. <laughs> that, that must have been about the time Beatlemania was was going on it was the,
2: after right? it was a few yeah, years after. after that right okay. and so uh i was like wow and now the you know i learned along again a long time ago it's just to listen to people you know who are way accomplished and just kind of sit there and you know unless i can contribute realistically shut the fuck up right yeah, so
1: 100 <laughs>
2: that's yeah. what i did and so years later, when I moved here, um, you know, I had dived into being a producer, an engineer, and a mixer, you know, and I had gotten some acclaim with Grammys and, you know, golden platinum records and blah, blah, blah. But I hadn't played a lot, you know, except yeah. for, oh, the bass player didn't show up. But I'll do something real quick. So I started playing again, and then I got into my head, I was like, but what I would do you know i wanted to expand on that concept is i don't want to play the uh, i don't want to play it like the record i want to play it the way petty's playing it now how does he play breakdown 35 years later yeah and so then you know the youtube interweb university was available and i started watching all of these arrangements of all of my favorite songs and making notes and creating a playlist right of yep. all these songs which now I share with the band members right okay. as hey let's not do let's um good to be king on the record is 4 minutes long or thereabouts of uh, the ones that we kind of mimic is six and change yeah right so we got uh, the, the idea was to approach it of not sometimes how
0: sometimes a lot of
2: change right, right. <laughs> the other thing is that montana has a bit of the kind of jam culture okay you know uh whether it's grateful daddy or string you know or bluegrass or newgrass jammy culture so that's a part of the the you know the zeitgeist in montana in the sense of music right so um uh, then that bringing that to the table and the fact that that we all bring a different perspective you know uh you know i would as a musician playing original music which i did for years too you know i was more along the lines when he said grunge i was more than along the lines of uh green river and uh sound garden and yeah. you know and stuff like that as a bass player right so it's a different approach so to to get into Heartbreakers head space, you know. I noticed that very rarely either bass player, Ron or Wally, ever uh uh played the D and G on the bass. Yeah. They just go up the neck, like both of them. Yeah, right. And and it was a different. It was always pocket over anything else.
1: Hundred percent. The whole right? section so, is
2: yeah. Right, and that was a whole different headspace, dude. And it took me a while to just get into that headspace like i'm just playing the pocket and if i play it right the arrangement is king with petty music which a lot of people don't understand where a lot of we've had a couple jazz uh head keyboard players and they always kind of go wow you guys really are nick picky about their arrangements (laughs) well that's everything because you know literally it's not four chords in the truth it's three chords in the truth for the whole song yeah and the only thing that differentiates the verse and chorus is how you arrange it
1: well yeah i mean listen to learning to fly it is three chords and there's no bridge in that song I mean, right. well, there's the, the drum break in the middle. That's not really, not yeah, really. It's, a bridge. Yeah. it's not a musical bridge. So when you can do something that artfully and that skillfully, that is it. It is all down to the arrangement. It's down to the composition, and it's right. down to Petty had that ear for detail. I, this has right. been my revelation going through this podcast and listening to the music. Is how precise and how intentional every single thing he did was. Well, especially like from let's say, sort of torpedoes on. I mean, I think the first two albums were a bit more loose and freeform because it's a new band in the studio for the first time. But after that point, the attention to detail is incredible. But that's interesting that there's a big jam culture in Montana then because as a band that's not doing this straight, you know, you're not, you're not dressing up, you're not doing the costumes, you're not doing them straight. It gives you license and a bit more sort of freedom to do that because you know then that the crowd's going to go with you on it, which definitely yeah. wouldn't be the case in a lot of places, right? I don't think California, you'd be able to do that quite so much maybe.
2: I don't, I don't know if that's true anymore, because I think the other thing is that I always say that, you know, we're, we're it's not a tribute to Shakespeare. Right. You're doing Shakespeare. Yeah. Right? And so to me, the idea is that we don't do a tribute to petty. We play petty. Yeah. And we're a band, first of all. And if you're going to follow the petty ethos, right, you yeah. got to be a band. Right, and you lean to it, into everybody's strengths. You don't lean into well, Petty did it that way. Yeah, but that was because of Benmont, right? <laughs> now you still got to have the hooks, <laughs> right? But if your keyboard player plays different, you know, lean into their personality of that. Yeah. So that's what I noticed, even when the change with drummers. You know what I'm saying? Like you go for one. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a whole yeah. different. You know, live, that became a different, and I think for me, the revelation of how different the band was, was Mojo.
1: Oh my in God, I sense, mean,
2: yeah. You know, you yeah. listen to Mojo and you go, this is this is a whole nother band than Damn the torpedoes or because of the members in the band. And what? the through line is Ron and Tom and, uh, and Mike Campbell.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, and it's like they said, I mean, Tom said with Mojo, this is what I hear when I think of the Heartbreakers, and I want everyone else to hear what the right. Heartbreakers sound like when they're not making a record, when they're not playing something to try and write a pop hit or whatever, when they're just sitting around, just playing their instruments, and it totally comes across. That record is amazing. I just got the the Red Vinyl, the new re- nice, reissue, yeah. Um, yeah. and it's just on vinyl. Oh, God, it sounds so good. It sounds so yeah, good. It's,
2: yeah. it's just a great, you know, uh, and Chris is the one that is always trying to put more B-sides in the list where right. I'm always looking at, you know, what's on Spotify, what's on <laughs> thing, you know, who's, what song is playing the more. He's always going, well, let's, let's play this from Mojo or let's play this one. You know, it's always, yeah. he's always introducing uh like right now he wants me to learn a song for a gig You're, on the,
1: you got to learn it. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> Swing in. Oh, dude, come on. Yeah, absolutely.
2: <laughs> absolutely
0: my favorite.
2: Like like for the last four gigs during soundcheck, he's been going, hey, hey, this one. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I'm like, yeah, okay, we'll get to that. You know? <laughs>
1: yeah. We talk about that. I mean, swinging, how the hell is that even a deep cut? Why wasn't that released? I mean, that should be as well known as anything from that era. But it's just totally one of those agree. things that it just passed people by. And I mean, Echo well, generally. I think the whole Echo album yeah, passed people by, you yeah. know?
0: I mean, there's just so much on that album. Also another great, great album with a lot of great songs, Um, you know, but uh, swinging is, is just, there's something about that song that just like spoke to me. I don't know what it was. It's, it's that it's the, it's the feeling of it. It's sort of melancholy, But rocking at the same time. And the lyrics are fantastic because you can read so much into that. (laughs) Right. You know, you can read so many different stories into just he just lays out the baseline story and then you fill in all the details.
1: Right. That's what I I always say about Petty though. He 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 draws the sketch. You do the coloring in. Exactly. That's that's left to you. That's but swinging man as a singer, as a performer my god of course you want to do that and if you extend that out then you can throw in all sorts of contemporary names in the in the outro and you can do all that you can right. play with that like, song a lot i think yeah, you should hey. do this doc i think i'm on board oh, with no, we're crusade. doing it
2: we're doing it i'm just, <laughs> just me having fun look at <laughs> you yeah. uh you know through uh you know machinations uh that are clear and unclear we were able to get on uh a pbs our, you know the Montana's version of Austin City Limits. Oh nice. That's coming out in January. And um and it's a an whole episode. And we're the first cover band for lack of a better. I don't think of us as a cover band. Mm-hmm. Um but we're the first cover band to uh to do this in 15 years or something like that. Eleventh and Grant is the show is called. And so um but you know we end up playing some deep cuts on that episode yeah and you know one of the best things um our one of our uh our guitar player and and, and the second singer in the band is also a cello player and so we did southern accents with cello uh an acoustic piano rock band uh shenanigans beautiful and uh it came out amazing and and a couple other like deep cuts that you wouldn't have necessarily gone with you know, out of the twelve songs that we ended up uh uh doing. So and it was Chris that was really kind of uh, you know, doing that charge yeah. of let's let's do these deeper cuts.
1: Uh <laughs> I think though when you've got petty heads in the room, that's when you're gonna get that reaction, right? That because you know, we know that you are probably gonna play refugee. We know you're gonna play Mary Jane's Last Dance. We know you're gonna play American Girl. But if someone rips out, Have love will travel or you know jefferson jericho blues or or any of those songs that you're not expecting to hear at a a, a traditional cover band that's that's beautiful that's just joyful right that's like this is why i'm here this is my band now because they're playing the stuff that they're real fans they're not just doing the top 40
0: right right you know i have kind of always wanted to put together two different sets right one being you know the 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 standards right the ones that every everybody who's got at least a surface level knowledge of petty knows about and then a, a an entire set of b-sides right yeah. that are you know just like we played for the 11th and grant show we played can't stop the sun which
1: another oh, really? fantastic song yeah oh yeah oh yeah that's mike campbell Absolutely. channel is in a george Harrison, right i mean that's just pure Absolutely. pure beatles it's, i love that track.
2: oh yeah so we played that and at one point you know i got all ambitious and i'm friends with the the host and the producer of the show and i was like he needs a classical composer as well, and so I said, "So can we do strings and quartets, or or like a <laughs> piece of orchestra thing?" Uh, on that side, he was like,
1: "That's dark." No. no, no. <laughs> hey, look, you don't ask, you don't get. Because sometimes people say yes, right? I mean, that's, that's <laughs> but, The other thing you learn in life is just ask. Yeah, that's right. true.
2: But he did let us do the the cello in Southern accents and uh and the grand piano and southern accents yeah and um and uh, i think he did the grand piano in nothing like the sun as well uh what was the other there was a couple other b-sides that we did um it was off mojo it feels
0: right? like a long time ago doc so <laughs> i know
2: yeah, it was it was july We can't remember that far back.
0: We're all all older. We've slept since then. I don't know. (laughs) Well, so our our uh, our our um, drummer is—he's just a baby. He's—he's like I think he's 22 still, right? Yeah, he just just turned 22 when he started in the band. He couldn't drink.
1: Uh, (laughs) Hey, designated driver though. He's driving the bus, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, right.
2: Uh, And the thing is, is that what's great about that story, too, with um, with uh, with Ethan is that his dad is one of the co-founders of the band. Yeah. Uh, Paul Decker owns one of the best music stores in the country, not just Bozeman, called Music Villa. And, you know, when I came up with the band at first, it was purely for the joy of playing some petty. Yeah. Right. And I rolled up on Paul. And I said, look, I've been thinking about doing a Petty band. And, um, you know, and I had produced a record he played on okay. at that point. And I said, man, you'd be down? He goes, oh, I'm totally down to do some Petty. And so he said, get Rick to find a guitar player. He was teaching guitar. Okay. And I walked up to Rick and I went, Rick, uh, I'm looking for a guitar player to, to be Mike, Mike Campbell in the project. You know, they don't have to sing; they just gotta be, you know, a badass. <laughs> and uh, he was like, "Hmm," he goes, and he's known as kind of a uh, you know all around guitar player, but always kind of leaning Americana, country stuff like that. Yeah. In the back of my head, I was like, "That's kind of Mike Campbell." <laughs> so, but he said. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, of course I know a couple of Tom Petty songs, whatever. And he came back to me maybe uh two days later and goes, no, I'll come out and play. So uh, that's how we kind of, uh, and all of a sudden the pressure was on because I hadn't played on stage in 15 years at that point. So I'm all of a sudden woodshedding like a madman. <laughs> so between Paul, myself and uh, Rick you know, we're the progenitors of, uh, of the band. We got uh, yeah. a really great keyboard player and, uh, two other members, uh, uh, three other members at that point. So it was, uh, you know, it was an idea that I had uh, that, that, and so later when he became an adult, Ethan, he, uh, he came. I'm and- not
0: sure he's an adult yet.
2: Oh, he's an adult. <laughs> Twenty two. He, he, he'd get really <laughs> mad at you. <laughs> um, but when he was like eighteen or something, uh, we our our drummer, uh, you know, we were in between drummers. We were doing the Spinal Tap thing, I guess. Right. And uh, <laughs> uh, so we had a gig in this place called Big Timber, and he came out and he learned the whole set. Uh, and we had like two rehearsals, and he crushed it. Yeah. And we almost offered him the gig then, like you know, hey, you know, but two of the members at the time were like, ah, oh, he's so young and blah blah blah, and I was like, I don't care. He plays great. He plays like his dad, but more aggressive.
1: Okay, well, and that's and, that thing of it's the thing in sport. The idea in sports, right? If you're good enough, you're old enough.
2: Exactly, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And he, uh, so then, you know, two years later or a year later. uh, you know the drummer quit uh our drummer at that point quit and I literally just picked up the phone literally five minutes after he quit and I go Ethan want to join the waiting he goes my drums will be there tomorrow and those <laughs> drums are right there <laughs> right now so um and he's been with the band for I think three years now so
1: when I think you because your keyboard player Ryan I think he's also pretty young as well right so there is going to always be that dynamic where you've got i'm assuming you guys are around my age so and so you're getting that and that sort of 50 range and dealing with 20 year olds they're listening to different things so that's going to be one of two things either there's going to be a collision where they just don't know any of that old sort of old school rock and roll or you're going to get this fresh set of ideas to bring to the songs and i was listening to that uh, the live version of free fall and that you've got on your youtube channel and he's putting those little snare rolls in there which yeah. are accents that are not on the record but they sound great yeah. So and that I must think, be energizing to bring in this young blood as well, I guess what I'm getting
2: Yeah, to. I think that's the thing. Both Ryan, uh, who's out of the country at the moment, but um, Austria. Okay. Yeah, he's he's a PhD <laughs> person. So, But he grew up, and his dad is a, a concert promoter and a Grateful Dead aficionado. Okay. So he grew up in that milieu of jammy keyboards, uh I uh uh mixed and engineered his dad's record with Bill Payne from Little Feet. Okay. As the producer or keyboard player. And so he uh his keyboard teacher was Bill Payne. Jeez. And so later down the line, Bill Payne, we do we do a radio show and Bill Payne said, I'll play keyboards with you, you know, and so he, I'll be Ben Mon. I like Ben Mon. He's a friend yeah. of mine. Can, he, can I come and play with you? I was like, yes, maestro, come play with us. Yeah. So there's a, I think the video of that is still up. So check that out of Bill Payne playing with us. And, oh, yeah. um, Life but the he, yeah, he's okay. playing. Uh, So Ryan was taught by Bill. So when I was thinking about Ryan, like four or five years ago, I talked to Bill. What do you think? Do you think Ryan would be a good fit for what we're doing? He goes, oh, he'd crush it. It wasn't until uh, last winter, winter of 21, actually, that he uh, he was in between things because of the COVID and whatnot. Yeah. That he said, look, you know, I'm going to go to Austria eventually for PhD. But, you know, I'm going to go and then, you know, let's talk when I get back. But for this year, you know, i would happy to join the band. And so... Yeah, he's young, but he's got that same thing that Ethan does, which mm-hmm. is, he, he knows the music history, and he's approaching it from a reverence, you know, the song, yeah. right, uh, when the the episode comes out, uh, he talks about, like, uh, you know, yeah, there's more structure than, like, Grateful Dead, yeah, right, there's more songs than Grateful Dead, but because we have that jam factor in the you know going into a ditch you know i go you know it's not how it's not whether you go in the ditch it's how you get out he goes that's living in the ditch in grateful dead is kind of the thing right? <laughs> so you're always trying to figure out how to get it back on the road so well, that
1: and that's the thing about great musicians right i mean or. or- competent musicians who've played lots and know each other is as long as everyone knows where the pushes are, where the stops are, where the, where the changes are, as long as you can work within that framework, then you just trust each other. And it's about that on stage communication, just a little, okay, We'll use solo now, or we'll go for another eight or whatever it is. I mean, that's, and again, that's what, as a fan, I don't want to go and see someone play the waiting in three and a half minutes, do it straight. I want to watch a band perform. And that's what Petty and the Heartbreakers were. I mean, we talk about them, you know, that the Fillmore box set showed that this is probably the greatest cover band of all time. Yeah. You know, they would jam yes. those things out two minutes in, in in sound check and then just run with it. And they didn't play them perfectly, but they played them like the heartbreakers. So I I'm totally on board with that approach to doing it. I was gonna ask then, when you do that then, have you ever had anyone sort of because there are people out there who don't like people messing around with arrangements? Have you ever have you ever done a song and taken it to a point where someone's actually said to you, oh, I wasn't too sure about uh, you know, going into that bit in the middle there, or has it always been pretty much just universally I'm since, about since
0: I've been in the band, we've not had that experience, okay. or at least I've not. Um you know, I think people appreciate what we do. And the people that 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 come to see us, um, you know, they they appreciate the fact that we bring our own thing to the songs, right? Yeah. Our own our own sensibilities to the songs. And what we do best is bring our own, every individual brings their own strengths like doc indicated you know to the to the music and we interpret it the way we do but it's it's not such a departure from the way people are used to hearing it that they're like oh wow that's totally different you know from the i mean i think the closest we do which isn't really all that all that different from what what petty did like we we do the waiting and i sing that song by myself for the most part yeah. Um, and then we the whole band comes in at the end. And if you see any of the concert footage, um, I mean, you've probably seen Petty do it that way. Right. Yeah. But people aren't used to hearing it that way. Yeah, um, They're used to, you know, at least people who have, you know, that sort of surface level knowledge of 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 Petty's work. You know, they they are used to hearing it the album way. Right. Yeah. The whole band. And so um, I've had people come up and say that they just love that. You know that we've departed from you know sort of the standard way of of playing that song. Yeah. I've never had anybody say that they didn't like it or that they wish we would have done it a different way. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean that's that's kind of the that that's kind of the sensibility that we bring to it. And I was going to say that with you know respect to Ethan, um, he brings sort of a an exuberance to the music. Yeah. Because of his age, but he also brings sort of old. Person's sensibility because of his longitudinal experience, you know, as a drummer, and his dad, and you know, yeah. his playing in the waiting before. So it's it's really a
1: cool fit. That's per- that's perfect though. That's exactly what you want, right? that's, that's yeah, When exactly. finding that balance, you're stumbling across that is a wonderful thing. So. I was going to say, Chris, too, like as a as a performer now, like as a front man, that's a little yeah. bit different being, than being the bass guy and being the rhythm section. You know, because the drums and the bass, as a, as a drummer myself, everyone knows yeah. that the rhythm section is the most important part of the band.
0: Of course. Not the single
1: guitarist, you know, they get all the <laughs> glory. But, but was course. that a comfortable thing for you? Like, when did you realize that, OK, first of all, I can sing. Second of all, I enjoy it. Was that transition to being a front man, which is different than being a musician? What was that like? Sure um you know
0: it's been a it's been an it's been a growth experience for sure you know when I first started I mean I was a front man in the in the um bands that I've played in before in Seattle and and, uh also you know when we when we I played in that cover band here in Bozeman for probably way too long um (laughs) but uh but so I I was used to kind of being in front of the microphone but I wasn't used to being in front of as many people with sort of expectations as to what, what we were doing. Right. I mean, we have, we have, we have one focus in this band. It's not like, you know, we, we play songs from different genres and I I mean, it's all petty, right. Or petty as, as doc likes to say, petty adjacent, Um, (laughs) you know, so uh, it, it was a very different experience fronting this band. Uh, than other bands also the quality of the musicianship in this band is w- way better than most of the stuff that I've I've done right uh, in the past so it was a little intimidating to be playing in a band with these guys that all have like the pedigrees that you know I don't have right um and It's it's been an experience of of sort of coming into my own. I've you know it's been an arc, and now at this point, I feel totally comfortable. Um, You know, sometimes I'll go off on a little riff, (laughs) you know, that nobody. But the the great thing about it, and the thing that I love about this band, is that when I do that, if I do that, everybody's got my back, right? Everybody, if I screw up, I know these guys are a hundred percent behind me, and they'll bring me out of the ditch. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, And then I can look at Rick and he kind of knows what I'm thinking, you know, at that moment or doc, and he knows where I'm going with something, or I can try something different musically um, and vocally with the song and everybody supports me with that. And it's right on the spot at the time. And that's the, that's the best thing about this band. So, I mean, that's, that's, i think it's, it's been a i would say experience.
2: that just to chime in to kind of dovetail that you know the books that i've read you know of petty you've you know? read books yeah it happens i know wow I'm surprised <laughs> evil and really rare but um <laughs> but the three books that i've read one that a guy warren Warmth was yeah. yeah and but what's interesting is, is that you know it's always that thing like the greatest bands listen to each other right that while they're on stage that they're reacting in real time to you know bring something extra or stumbling across a moment and then you wanted that moment is so good that you want to just kind of you know visit it for a while you know and so you know when he first joined we would talk about hey man just let it simmer brother just let it simmer you know it's all good you know and and now he does it. You know what I mean. And
0: sometimes at, he, at first I did not.
2: No, at first he was like, "But it's the summer you speak of." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but now he instigates it. Yeah. Right. And like so, I'm not going
0: to start singing for a while, so get used to it. We're going to just let this be. Yeah.
2: Right. And so, That's and I, and I think that ties into, you know, after the pandemic, the world changed as a performer, right? Yeah. Uh, So one of the things I have learned is that when we would talk to when I would, I'm kind of the de facto road manager when we're out and when I'm out, I talk to every single manager, you know, production crew, whatever, and get a sense. And almost to a venue we play, they go, you're one of the few bands that will keep the crowd the entire time. Right? And yeah. I think that that's to the point of we really, you know, we help create, as a unit, we create this sandbox and we invite everybody into it. Yeah. Right? Opposed to uh, aren't we great? Because the, at the end of the day, we're performing one of the best American songwriters music ever made. Yeah. And so you can't bring the weak sauce to it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Well, and it's that it's that thing that people sometimes forget, I think, or the certain artists, I think, once they get to a certain level, forget that a gig is a social contract between the artist and the crowd. And both you need both to be engaged and invested in that contract for the show to work. Now, of course, I think the nice thing is with Petty, you do have a couple of cheat codes, right? Because when you do, I won't (laughs) back down. I mean, because I was again, I was watching that. It was Music on Main in Bozeman. That's the one you I mean, the, the euphoria When everyone sings that chorus together and you look at the crowd and it's, it's 50 year olds and it's 20 year olds and it's, and it's, but everyone has that shared experience of the love of singing that melody. Right. right. That thing that Petty had that insane sense to be able to write something that it's, I mean, I won't back down. It's just a great line because it's got that, that grand sense of, you know, that, that, the the big, the big idea, but it's got this beautiful pop melody that's sitting underneath it. That just, it, it hits both. There's not right. many people who did it as well as he as he did, I don't think.
2: Not not even close, in my opinion. Not I mean the thing is is that you know it's that weird cycle, speaking music geek is a second, is that you get the Beatles being influenced by you know uh by chess records yeah. and all of the records that were on the military bases, and then going over and playing in Germany for the American uh soldiers. Right, in the bars yeah. there, and then coming back to uh, England and instantly start to record. Right, then they come over and play on Ed Sullivan, <laughs> and Tom Petty sees them play, as long with his love of Elvis Presley. Right, and yeah. now he starts to cobble together what makes sense to him. You know, and then meeting up with Mike Campbell and Benmon, this, you know, melange of weird stuff where it's European and Southern and Northern blues, you know, and it's just this, and gospel. All of these things are an element of petty. And I just don't think it could have happened anywhere else at any other time than when he arrived.
1: It was a perfect song. Like you said, everyone references that Ed Sullivan show because it just changed the world forever. Right. And the Beatles said it changed everything because like you said, and we talked about this earlier, you look at that and you, you think, you know, you, you look at Buddy Rich's big band and stuff and think, wow, oh, man, there's no there's no entry point into that for me. Like you said, Chris, as a I mean, I'm a very sort of average drummer, I can't play Buddy Rich, but I can probably rip off some of Ringo's stuff, I think. Right. I probably can play that stuff. I can probably play those four chords. I can play rock and roll. So it just it just opened up music to so many more people, I think, and it gave it back to the to the kids again, right? Which which it, they've been taken away a little bit from,
2: but and I think that's where we are now because you know that's the thing that I've noticed is is that you know because I teach the university class, yeah. What I've noticed is that there's this hey I can do that I, I want to do that, yeah. and so now you get these kids who you know are playing songs and you see their bedroom their bed behind them and. You know, and they're really playing a cover song, or they're really doing an original. I mean, you look at Billie Eilish, yeah, and you know, her and her brother doing stuff in the bedroom, right? And now it's millions and millions of uh, views and and listens.
0: That, that sounds really bad.
1: <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, Chris. But...
0: <laughs> I'll say
2: it. It's, yeah, it's... I,
0: have, I have no shame.
2: Him, him, and Rick are the the you know like we have to have moratoriums in the van. Like, please
1: stop. <laughs> hey, too much ain't enough, right? Too much ain't enough. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, so yeah, I, I think mean, that's a...
0: and that's one of the things that I mean I I love about the music is just the it the range of people who listen to it. You know, uh, I mean, yeah. it, as you indicated in the, 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 that music on main show, I mean, kids in the front screaming yeah. so loud, I can't even hear what I'm singing. Yeah. Because right? they're singing it. Right. And I, I'm like, I don't know whether I'm, I'm key or not, You know? <laughs> but everybody's loving it. So, yeah. you know, it's great. But, you know, it's it's everybody from young people to old people. And now, you know, just the I think Doc sent before the podcast has been like a 36,000% increase in uh in love is a long road now because of grand theft auto yep
2: and we've been playing that song for years yeah yeah and it's always been considered a deep cut and i'm like it's not a deep cut
1: i got a huge spike in my podcast downloads and i went to look at the stats and that episode that i did on love is a long road has been everyone started downloading (laughs) that again because you know i mean So it's great that these people have been exposed this. I just have one quick question, because I want to get into these the 10 questions that I, I sent you, boys. Uh, but, yeah, so the course. other thing, Chris, about Petty that I, I didn't realize before I really started getting into him and, and doing this podcast and listening, you know, when you listen with a musician's ear, is how good a vocalist that guy was and how good a technical singer and how different he could make his voice, depending on what the song needed. So in terms of that side of things, I mean, again, you, you're playing in the sandbox that's rich with toys, right? So that must be a lot of fun. So do you... Like how I mean, I know you don't sort of sing, you don't do a petty impersonation, but how much attention do you pay to that sort of, you know, his intonation and phrasing and and listen to that kind of stuff?
0: I, I pay a fair amount of attention to that. I mean, I try and sing from the front of my face, right? Yeah. Um, because he did. And then he always had this like it's thing in his <laughs> cheeks. You know, I don't know, it's, you can hear it. Um, and and you know, sometimes the way he says certain words in the in the lyrics. It, it is is it really defines the song, you know. Yeah. Um and so like we did uh well, what was the song we did it for uh off of mojo um
2: um we did uh I shouldn't have known it.
0: Oh yeah oh yeah oh, yeah. yeah I should have known it we did. And just the way he sings that's the last time you ever you're gonna hurt me. Yeah. Just that that line I sing I try I do try and bring channel my inner petty because yeah. It's, it's just the lyric. It's just, you know, it, there's no music behind it. The music is fading out as he says it. Yeah, And it really does kind of define the song in a lot of ways. So, yeah, I mean, his, his, his vocals have always been kind of nasally and, and front end of your face. And, and actually that's really good for, for at least for me, for increasing my range. Yeah. You know, because I, I I can just I can sing higher. I can sing, um, from from that that uh, part of my face, if you will, and and so yeah. I, I mean, I definitely do that, and then yeah. sometimes I bring my own thing to it, and but yeah, it's sort of a a, a mishmash of all the things that he does. But I definitely pay close attention uh, to his vocal styling, and you're right, he is a fantastic vocalist. Yeah, you know, and what what really. Did it for me is his live stuff, right? Because 100%. usually, you know, a lot of times you hear live music and you're like, mm, you know, it doesn't quite sound the way it did in the studio. It's not, yeah. you know, the vocal quality isn't as good. He's not. He's kind of pitchy. He's not. No, he's not. Not. He is always dead on, right? And for yeah. somebody who's got that kind of rock and roll nasal voice, that is a really unusual quality for him to have that level of accuracy you know all the time even in live performances when you know hearing yourself isn't always you know the easiest thing to do um when the band is loud and that's also a tribute i i guess to their stage you know to the entire menagerie's stage presence and willingness to to back off when the vocals are are coming in you know so
2: yeah again arrangement too that's that's the other part it's the secret to a lot of the heartbreaker stuff is that you're not on 10 when it's uh you know the arrangement you know I you know in my class I teach that mixing is arrangement
1: yeah there right
2: is. and so uh you know that's why I like as a producer and engineer and mixer the easiest music to mix is bluegrass and jazz Right. because they their arrangements are you know you're quiet doing the one part and i even show them the oh brother where alf thou where you know the guy's singing on the microphone and then everybody backs off and then the background singers come up and then he comes back and i go that's arrangement yeah right they're not so and i think the heartbreakers in particularly are a uh band um the heartbreakers are in particularly are a band that listens to each other and we'll bring down the dynamics. And that's yeah. what we end up doing a lot just to support the story, right? Yeah. The support, the thing. And so again, if we add something to it, it's in support of that. And the other thing that I, it's been my influence because of my top 40 years is, is that I'm often wanting to, if we do a bunch of soloing, I want to come back to the course. Yeah. And so... That's kind of a top 40 thing to do. Uh, He necessarily didn't do that, but we do that. So, you know, a lot of times we'll do, we do an extended version. We actually some little medley, but in that medley, we do a breakdown. And then they, you know, uh, the keyboard player and the guitar player do solos, but then we come back and have everybody singing out the chorus of the song instead of, you know like look aren't we great musicians it's yeah. more about again the sandbox and come on in and play in it
1: well again that, that two way piece right That that's performance because you know anyone can play you know most you can play in your basement but feeding off the crowd and giving them something to do and making them part of the show again those are the shows we all love like right. you said oh, yeah. you're, you're talking about Pitchy Chris I love Foo Fighters I'm a big Foo Fighters fan Dave Grohl cannot sing live worth a shit <laughs> No, I'll say that right I know I love the guy to death but it's a performance <laughs> and it's a show and you don't care because it's about right. the energy and it's about the the vibe in the room, right? But okay, so we'll finish up. Like tell tell people where they can find you. And then I got that one last question for you. So where can people find the waiting? What's the website? What are your socials? Where where can people find out where when you're playing? What you got going on?
2: Oh, uh, we're right now. We're of course on Facebook and Instagram. We started a Threads. Uh, it's just the waiting Bozeman, um, because it's a Christian band called the Waiting. Uh, uh-huh. So that's not it that's a different thing
0: not (laughs)
2: it (laughs) it. especially
0: (laughs) given some of the van conversations there's no way you could confuse it The
2: the yakima gig was in a church and i was pretty sure i was going to get hit by (laughs)
1: like
2: the (laughs) the whole show um uh but uh and then um we have a website the waiting uh and that has a bunch of stuff um the TV show, uh, which plays, it's Mont, uh, it's PBS, but it's Pacific Northwest PBS, so it's um, Montana, Washington, Portland. I mean, uh, Oregon, Idaho, Wyoming, and Colorado that it okay. plays. Uh, yeah, I have, a v-
1: also- I have a VPN. I have a VPN. I can get that station. I'll be uh, okay.
2: But it will be uh, available worldwide on uh, Montana PBS uh at, you
1: know you can stream it org. do you yeah. know the dates do you know the date for that
2: uh i think it's the second week of january so okay. uh, but we'll i'll yeah. email you or have melissa email you uh uh you know so that yeah, gets a link. uh and then then we're looking on you know if you, people you know found this conversation uh somewhat interesting from our perspective <laughs> uh you know uh we're looking to bring the Petty to your town. That's what we kind of call it. Yeah. Are you ready for some Petty? Uh, <laughs> and and it's truly just a celebration of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Yeah. It's not, uh, you know, no one's dressing up or no one's.
0: I don't put on a wig. You know,
1: yeah.
2: Right. You know, a Rick doesn't put on a dread wig, you know, dread either. <laughs> um, although we would find it funny in the van.
1: Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> wigs, man, um, under lights, wigs are hot. No one wants to see it, an old man sweating.
2: But you know, again, it's it's a time to come out and and party with us and and hang with this. Bring your kids out too. We always bring. Hey, show your kids what great music is like. Yeah. You know, um I, I'm often surprised how many young people are at our because we are in some ways the ultimate dad band, right? <laughs> right. And 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 that's okay we lean into it you know i'm saying even our drummer why does he like playing petty because that's what his dad was listening to yeah (laughs) when you know to get ready for the petty gigs uh so then when it was time it felt natural to him to come out and 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 play some petty so yeah
0: Yeah. uh, and i i'll tell you it's 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 remarkable how many people come up after the show and are like our age or even older. And they're like, you know, this brought me back yeah. someplace and made me happy. And I actually, at the show at the Rialto just recently, we, um, a, a lady came up to me afterwards who um, was a vet and her husband was a disabled vet. And, yeah. and she was just, she was in tears and she was like, thank you, you know, for bringing this moment of joy, you know, and, and that's really what the show is all about. It's all about, you know, bringing this music that, that creates memories for people and triggers memories for people and brings them back to a place that they haven't thought about for a while. And to me, that's the magic of, of, of what we do.
1: It's a beautiful privilege thing to be able to do is to connect with a human being on that level, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely a privilege.